Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Seven Rooms of Gloom. everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the podcast where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song alphabetically one by one. We are back to it. I'm Rob Carmack. That's J.B. Clark. How you doing, J.B.? Hey, man. What's up? I'm just feeling so gloomy over here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I keep walk, walking through the seven rooms of my house feeling equally gloomy. So... <laughs> I don't yeah, have man, actually. I just don't know what to do without your tenderness. <laughs> We're just going to talk our way through this. Um, all right. So, <laughs> what we what we done? What how we created this this podcast years ago in 2016 is we set this whole thing up to be an alphabetical Bruce Springsteen podcast, um, one song at a time through the entire alphabet. But since we stopped, since we finished Zero and Blind Terry, Bruce has released three new albums, and so we needed to go back. We needed to. Yeah, Rob to, forgot one. And I, yeah, actually, yeah, and, and that's true. I, I did forget the 25th anniversary of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert. So, <laughs> um, so th- that, which is great for us now because it just adds to the, to season four of this, this right. podcast. So, anyway, so season to, four, which we, we talked about this a while ago, season one was 300 episodes or something like that. Yes. Season two was all of the albums, which is like 20 episodes. Right. And then season three was a, a short jaunt through Jason Isbell's discography. Yes. Which was a fun, and uh, to all the listeners of this, totally makes sense. But to anyone just like looking at the track listing, is like, huh? Yeah, that made no sense at all to, yeah. <laughs> to anybody that uh, isn't really into both Jason Isbell and Bruce Springsteen. But anyone who's into both of them is like, yeah, this makes sense. Naturally, yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And then, uh, and so, yeah, now season four is is what we missed. Or what, what has been released since we missed them. So, yeah. yeah. And here's what I have to say. I was still on April this the other day, and she was like really trying hard to pay attention. <laughs> so, talking about music and Bruce Springsteen. But she agreed with me. She did. I was like, we are going to, we are talking about songs that have come out since our original season of this podcast, which was recorded in the uh, 2010s about an artist whose prime was in the 70s and 80s. And arguably. Um, Right. Well, that's the next thing. Is I was like, <laughs> and he has since released material that not only am I excited to talk about, but that is like also critically acclaimed. Mm. I was like, that is incredible. <laughs> you know, like how lucky am I to that this is my favorite artist? I know you know, some people's favorite artist is Guns N' Roses, and they, you know, made a record, a couple, couple records. <laughs> Yeah, and they spent so much money on Chinese democracy, and um, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's true. Yeah, I, I really do feel like we picked a winning horse when when we picked Bruce Springsteen. Truly, a winning horse. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, and to that, to, you know, to speak speaking to that, um, Bruce's most recent album is a covers album called "Only the Strong Survive," which came out in 2022. And just a few months before we start, we're recording this right now. So um, just a couple of months ago. So this is by far Bruce's newest material, but it's also all covers, which makes it also Bruce's oldest material. So it's, it's a little confusing. And this, this is our first song today. The seven rooms of gloom is our first song from only the songs, only the strong survive. Can we take just a minute to do like a, only the strong survive? Like where are we at? How do we feel? Oh, I was, what is it all about? You're, you're one step ahead of me. I was, I was just about to ask you when you, when you first heard that Bruce was going to do a covers album, what were your first thoughts? Well, I did this thing that I normally do when I am really into something and then I have a break is I was fully out, fully disconnected. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And then I just sort of like somehow found out that the album came out. I don't remember. I If I had to guess, Jesse Jackson sent me an email. <laughs> That's how you learned about this album? With like some talking points about what he thinks about it or is excited about for it. Like maybe a week before it came out. I have to guess that's like what happened. I was like, oh, cool. New Springsteen record. Put it on. Went for a run. It is exactly one run, which is a perfect album, right? It is. uh, And I also realized that. um, Hang on. I got to look at the track listing real quick. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is what it's a 15 song cover record. Yep. What Becomes of the Brokenhearted is track 14. And every song before it is as good as that. I don't know about you know every know song. Mean? All right, maybe not. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, the fact that he put out a cover record and, uh, you know, just like, you know, classic, like soul, rock and soul, R&B hits. Um, and what becomes of the brokenhearted is at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And you don't, like, miss it until it gets there is cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, he's finding stuff that's, like, there's popular stuff, and then there's some other stuff you're like, oh, okay, I haven't heard this one. And so, yeah, it's really cool. It, I, I liked it a lot. I've listened to it uh, all the way through probably three or four times. Yeah, it, it's I, – I, there was a – in the first couple of weeks that it came out, it was pretty much the only thing I listened to when I was in the car. And um, and it really it really grew on me. And there were some songs that I, I clicked with instantly. And there were a little bit. There were a few others where I would just sort of had had to use to Bruce's version of it. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, it's it's a really good. And Jesse did a good sort of analysis of this album on his podcast. So if you're if you're interested yeah. in a deep dive on this album, like not really even a deep dive, just sort of a first impressions re- response to this album, go back to the November episodes of Set Lusting Bruce. And uh, Je- Jesse has a guest on, and they they do a pretty good ex- examination of this album at first glance. So, um, you know, I'm I'm sort of with you. I, uh, I I knew it was coming out. I follow like every possible Springsteen news outlet, and so like the minute it was announced, actually, it, it was accidentally announced by Jan Winter. Jan Winter was doing an inter- interview with somebody, and somebody asked him, "What have you been listening to lately?" And he said, "Well, I've been listening to the new Bruce Springsteen album that, that that's that's coming out in November." And Bruce had not yet revealed that he was oh, going to be so i didn't know that yon is such a sloppy sloppy boy he is, he is a messy <laughs> he is a messy yeah did you listen to his marin interview no i oh you gotta listen to it marin is, is like the whole time he's like yeah you sure <laughs> <laughs> but also apparently yon's kind of like on the other end of some stuff and so he's trying to like make some space for a guy who's like kind of trying to heal but it is very like Mark Maron interviewing Jan Winter. It's, it's, uh, yeah, check it out. You'll love it. I, I kind of, that, all that does is make me want to reread Sticky Fingers, you know, uh-huh. like, cause that, that was such a, like, great let book. me say, you won't be satisfied by the interview, but you'll love it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, it's that, just Jan being like, well, you, what you have to understand is, yeah. <laughs> So, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. You're good. I mean, it's totally pertinent because uh, we're talking about like the when I first heard about this album coming out, it was because of a leak that Jan Winter perpetrated on his own, and yeah. um, and then when I heard that it was going to be a covers album, I thought like, man, if Bruce is in his seventies, if he's going to be releasing new stuff, it, I would because I, I know he's got hundreds of songs probably that he's written that have never seen the light of day, and I I 
anytime there's a new release, part of me wants to hear all those. I want to hear the, that archive. I want to hear all the songs that he hasn't put out yet. And that it's going to be covers. I thought, like, man, he's in his 70s. He needs to, if he's going to be making new releases, it, it needs to count. You know what I'm saying? And so I sort of yeah. thought this was going to be a throwaway. And it's not. It's really good. It's oh, really yeah. No, out. and my first listen through, I was like, I had closed, kind of closed ears. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and I do with every new Bruce Springsteen record. I'm like, oh, well, this is bullshit. And I'm like, <laughs> I get kind of track like five, and I'm like, I need to start over with New Year's. Mm. You know, it's <laughs> and that's exactly what happened with this one. Yeah. Is, um, Turn back in the hands of Tom, track six. I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here, and I started over. Yeah, the, and these are these are good covers, and these are songs that I would imagine are very difficult to cover well because just because they're so like great in their own right. And so, yeah. how do you how do you go in and do something new and interesting to these songs? And in a lot of ways, they're just straight up covers. Like he doesn't, he, he doesn't change the way these songs sound in a lot of ways. He just puts his own like Bruce Springsteen personality on it, which is great. He gets like as many of the people in the room who want to do the same thing. And it was pretty much like a pretty straightforward team the whole way through. And they were just like, let's do some straightforward, really high production versions of these songs. Like, well, let's just produce these songs on like a good board, you know, digitally with like a super good mix like they've never been done before yeah and that's you know that's kind of the only new thing they add is like this is the best these songs have been recorded yeah well and also it's you can tell this is just sort of a, a passion project for him because if, if you look at the the credits for who performed on this album other than the strings and the horns bruce and ron aniello play every instrument yeah so like no e-street band here there's no like like ringer musicians that he, that he brings in it's just it's him and ron and except in the string with you know with the string section and the horn section well and you know whenever you hear like sometimes like some foo fighter stuff will come out where it's like this is just a dave Grohl job yeah and uh it's great it's not like a you don't i don't i say this is just like you can tell that dave Grohl sat in a room like he put out that video one time of him like walking in the room playing all the instruments and then he put them all together and it was just like 13 dave Grohls. And uh, that's that's what this sounds like to me. Is like it really does sound like, um, oh, this is this is a Springsteen job. Like Bruce was like, who could play this guitar? He's like, I want to play this guitar part. Like I've always wanted to play this guitar part. I'm gonna play this guitar part. You know, like I've always I've always wanted to play these keys. I'm gonna play these keys because I'm recording this record. <laughs> yeah, and it's just gonna be me and Ron at the board in my you know like with all my gear, and then we're gonna bring in strings and we're gonna bring in some buds to sing and yeah. I heard an interview. How many songs did they record? Oh, I don't remember. What it was a lot. And, that, and that's a lot. and that's very typical for Bruce in the recording. He he always records a lot more than he ends up using. Yeah, which blows my mind because like I I'm I've spent the last uh, what two years working on some songs, not full time like him, but you know. Yeah, I've got a I finally got this week like three minutes that I'm happy with. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like the fact that he can make these incredible productions and, and do like a hundred of them. And then just pick 15 to master. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like those other ones are mixed. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Like you think him and Ron aren't sitting at the board mixing some stuff while they're writing? Like those other, all those songs, like you were saying, you want to hear it all. Like those are all mixed. And that's not messy. You know, that's not scraps. Like. No. When you're talking about these covers, there's. 
I mean, like eighty seems insane, but that's the number in my head. Well, that that that's I don't think it was that many, uh, but the because uh, I eighty. 80 was the number of the Born in the USA sessions. That's what it was. That's what it was. And that's I think that's the most he's ever recorded in a It was does it was dozens for this. Yeah. That's probably right. Yeah. Um, and and it's possible that he'll put out another version of it like you know a, a part 2 or yeah. like a box set like another tracks that has a couple of these recordings on it, who knows. But I yeah, I I don't know what he plans to to do that stuff with. It's possible that I mean, I hate to even think this way, but he's he's getting older, but like what they've been doing with Tom Petty ever since Tom Petty died is they'll, they'll like re-release certain things with deleted tracks or um, like they just put out yeah. a like a five disc live album from his like residency at the Fillmore in 1997 and and so like his his family and his uh, and his business partners have continued to release stuff like after his death the same with Prince and so yeah. I have to think that whatever Bruce doesn't release in his lifetime it, like after he is. Uh, no longer either, no longer alive, or no longer in charge of what happens to his music. That somebody will continue releasing these archives. I do. I am pumped about it because I don't want to hear every single Bruce Springsteen, every single thing. Right. I, I don't. We don't need to do that. And the thing I'm most pumped about is that like the people who are most close to his business and his music are also curators. Yeah. Who like like he is? You know what I like mean? John like John Landau and Ronnie Aiello. Yeah, yeah. 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 And like his. Yeah. His band and his family, you know, like, I mean, they're all family. Yeah. At this point. And so, you know, and like his wife, like she's. Oh, Patty. Is, yeah. Is, is Patty's the invested. best curator. She's such a, you know, she's very particular and aesthetic. And so, like, we're not going to get cash grab releases, I don't think. And I'm excited about whatever. Because we're only, you know, the first stuff that we're going to get is going to be the stuff that I'm sorry. This is dark. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even like to think about this. But the kind of stuff that we're going to get is like the stuff that like, we, you know, we talk about like the stuff that he wouldn't let that John Landau was like this. And he was like, no, you know, like we're going to get that stuff. Yeah, that's probably right. And and we, we know that Bruce doesn't mind releasing that he's stuff. Never, yeah. You know, because like, yeah. Yeah. And but also like, I don't, th- you know, I'm sure there's a world where Bruce is like, eh, I'm going to go take a picture in front of another one of my big wingtip cars and put out the second version of only the strong survive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> well, and I mean, think about this too. It, next year in 2024 is the 40th anniversary of born in the USA. So mm. it's very possible that we'll be getting a born in the USA box set that has not unlike the ties, the bind river collection yeah. we'll, we'll, that we'll probably have a lot of those Ooh, outtakes. In that it. tour, that tour. That tour. That would be a wild tour. Yeah, if if he uh, if he decides to do that. Ooh. I know. So let's let's talk about Seven Rooms of Gloom. So this song was written by Holland Dozier Holland and originally performed by the Four Tops in also yeah. 1967. It's our second 1967 song in a row on the Four Tops album Reach Out, which was released by Motown Records. Um, the song originally reached number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. JB, how do you okay? How do you feel about the the original version of this, and then how do you feel about Bruce's cover version? All right, so the original version of this song is <laughs> I was kind of talking to you, but I love the way you phrased that question. <laughs> so the original version of the song is sort of just like a regular old bop, you know. You, yeah. You don't think about that it's like called Seven Rooms of Gloom. Just it's the four tops. You know what I mean? Like they're yes. just cool. And this song is, you know, shot for shot, beat for beat, the same song. But when Bruce sings it, it's a little bit Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> so much. Like in the beginning when he's like, seven rooms. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just so, um, 
I don't know. Who who does the is it Levi Stubbs? Is he the one that sings the four tops lead part? Um maybe. Let me look it up. Anyway, it's Bruce is really nailing his part, but they just have a little bit different voices and they're way different ages. And so it's kind of got a fun it's just a and the production is better. I don't know. Uh I love it. Yes, Levi Stubbs was the original lead singer of the Four Tops. Yeah, and so like Bruce nails the Levi Stubbs part. They just sound different enough that it kind of does have a little bit of a Rocky Horror vibe. Interesting. I love, I love that. How do you do you feel good about the production value here? Yeah, no, that's what that's my favorite thing about this record. Is cool. That, like it just feels like we're updating production on classics. You know? Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about it compared um, to? Are you a Four Tops guy? I, I really like the Four Tops. In in fact, I... <laughs> I don't know, uh, man. I'm not really into the Four Tops. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw the Four Tops at the Oklahoma State Fair when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. So they not, played at uh, Double Decker in Oxford once or twice. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, so, yeah, they, they continued to work. Um, and and I, I like a lot of stuff by the Four Tops. This is probably not my favorite Four Tops song to begin with. So this, uh, already going into this album, I was probably... I, I probably was never going to love this one. Just because I, th- this is not not a... A top four tops song for me. If you yeah, know. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, how, in fact, how many tops would you give this song? Oh, it's hard to say just because it's one of those like earworms, you know. It's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's like, uh, you know, if you really love it, you really love it. Um, four. Okay. I'm at four. I'm going to keep riding the four train. Four tops. Okay. I'm a, I'm a three top. On this <laughs> four tops. Three tops. Yeah. I see what you did there. Thank you. <laughs> Man, I feel dumb. No, it's you're good. I, I didn't consult with you before I did that. I just yeah. I, I just called it out. Um, yeah, I'm a three on this. I I, I enjoy it fine. It, it's it's t- totally listenable. I don't I don't mind it on the album, but I don't seek it out. Um, yeah, it's it's probably I might go so far as to say this is probably my least favorite song on all. Not not to foreshadow like the entire rating of the entire album, but like this is probably my least favorite song on this album. And I, it's a three oh wow for me. So yeah. You got high, high hopes for this record. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy this record a lot, but yeah. So one thing I was thinking about uh, on my way to my allergy appointment, my allergy shot this morning in Fort Worth, um, I was I was listening to the song and I was thinking about how Bruce is singing the same like sheet music as the Four Tops version. He's he's really trying to like do it do it right, do it justice. He's doing a good job, but his voice is so power. Like he has so many horsepower. Yeah, he does. <laughs> And then I was thinking earlier this week, for whatever reason, I was listening to some commentary on Nickelback. <laughs> it's not Naturally. what I went. It was a podcast that I, I was I was there for the podcast and they went there. And so anyway, now y'all are all there with me. But I was just thinking about like the Chad Kroger's voice is, is so intense. You know, it's like, look at this photograph, you know, but like it, there's so much processing on that voice. <laughs> And then, like, Bruce Springsteen's, like, way more horsepower than that, and there's zero pro- – like, he's trying to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. Yeah, man. It's good. And, yeah. and I, I enjoy his performance. I, I like his – I realize, like, a lot of Bruce's critics don't like his voice. I love his voice. I love the way he sounds on this album. Yeah. He's got an amazing voice. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's pretty much all I've got to say. I, I realize like we're, we're doing really short episodes here, but like when it's a cover song, like it's, it's hard to, again, not on like your love keeps lifting me higher and higher. I don't think we need to sit around and, and ask like, what are the four tops yeah, trying to say here? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, 
it's just one of those like yeah with cover songs it's harder to to really get excited about exploring the lyrics um well let let me try this let's try this let's do a little jukebox check-in okay so let me ask you what is uh if your vibe was a song this week where would you be oh uh, if your deal like whatever happened what happened on wednesday the thing what song is it and what why is that um the thing i don't know i'm just saying like when I say that, like, oh, that thing happened to you earlier this week. What is that, and what song is it? <laughs> oh, dude, I don't. You got to give me a second to think. Well, what, what's your answer to that question? Uh, all right. So right now, it's put in the work by uh, David Ramirez. Is the song I've been singing with my kids this week because it's kind of fun, but also because there's this line at the end where he's like, "And my baby girl's in a room." asleep and I'm in the next room it's 3 a.m. and I'm doing drugs with a stranger I'm thinking she's trying to change me man she's trying to take my freedom but she just loves me and wants me to stop dying which is a really intense version of the way I feel sometimes when my kids like hey will you play Legos with me and I'm like I'm too busy (laughs) and then I'm like yes (laughs) yes (laughs) would you play Legos yes I'll play Legos with you my child yeah so uh yeah but also it's it's uh the hook is put in the work put in the time put in the work and it's just a nice like it's a really good cadence if if you've been kind of putting something off or if you've got a i don't know something you're passionate about i give the song a few listens it'll it'll make you feel good about it and and it kind of is self-depreciating self-deprecating you mm-hmm. know yeah there's this part where he's like i wrote a couple songs played a couple shows Made a record, sold a t-shirt. Why aren't they praising me like I'm Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's a good... Uh, put in the work, David Ramirez. What about you? You got, you got um, anything now? Off the, off the top of my head, the first thing that comes to mind is the song Acrobat by U2, where okay. bu- where the, the refrain is, don't let the bastards grind you down. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the first of the year. I'm I'm settling into like a new position at my job. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hit some goals. I'm trying to understand some things that are difficult to understand. And it's there. There are moments where it's like this is really hard, and um, and so I, I hear I hear the voice of Bono who tells me, "Don't let the bastards grind you down." So nice, yeah. So the, I'll I'll say it's that for lack of a better answer. That's probably what I got to go with. You'll love this, Shep, because I sing too. Shep's like a big Bono guy now. Oh, so is he really? I'm listening to more U2 than I've ever listened to before. Oh, that's excellent, dude. Have you ever seen U2 in, in like in concert? No, I should. It is. I mean, I I say this having been to seven Bruce Springsteen concerts. It is it is like nothing you will ever experience. And I'm not saying it's better than Bruce. Whoa. Bruce is better than everything. But a U2 concert is unlike every other live music experience I've ever had. Their show was so big that they couldn't fit it into the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, which is known as one of the biggest stadiums in the world. Well, they, they, and, they did it in, in the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Yeah, well, here's the catch, is they had to pay to make the screen retractable. Oh. Because their show was also so expensive that they couldn't cancel it. It was cheaper to reconstruct some of the engineering in the stadium than it was to cancel the show. I assume this is the 360 tour when they were promoting No Line on the Horizon. Yeah. Was that right after they built AT&T? Yeah, it was in 09. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was a crazy show. That was, that, I, I saw that show actually in Norman, Oklahoma, and at, uh, 
at where they play where OU plays football. Oh, okay. Um, it, it was it was an incredible show. But the best U two show I've ever been to was actually a smaller show. It was at the BOK Center in Tulsa, and they were promoting Songs of Experience. And it was a smaller I mean, for U two. It was a smaller show because it was enclosed indoors in a yeah. in a like relatively smaller venue, like smaller than AT and T. And um, man, it was just it was so so good. I I, I think I've, I've shared this with you before. Like I I actually like I. I got like teary eyed at one point. It, it's just one yeah. of those experiences. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so that was, uh, that was the U2 corner here on Bruce Springsteen's. <laughs> but, um, but if they, if they ever tour again, and I certainly hope they do, I, I absolutely will plan to go. All right, cool. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I, I'll, I just invited myself. Well, come on, man. I've never been to a U2 show. Let's go. It's, I, I would, I would love to, I would love to introduce you to your first U2 experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying sure. my daughter, my, my, my oldest son is not at all interested in the kind of music that I like, which is fine. And then my younger son isn't interested in anything that isn't like uh, Nerf guns or breaking things. And, but, but my daughter really wants to get into the same kind of music that I like. She likes Bruce Springsteen. She likes U2. And so I'm taking her to see Bruce in Dallas next month. And I'll be, uh, uh, if, if U2 ever comes to town, I'll, I'll, I'll probably take her too. Nice. Yeah. yeah so, I'm excited. Shep's old enough that I'm going to start taking him to some shows here and there, I think. Very cool. Oh, that might be cool. Take him. Well, Springsteen's going to take forever. He'll be so tired. Well, yeah. I mean, if you get a seat, he can sit down. You just got to warn him ahead of time. Like, I, And this is what yeah. I had to do with Delia. Because I, like, I asked her, are you sh-, before I bought those tickets, I, I told her, I said, are you absolutely sure you can handle a three and a half hour long concert? And she goes, can I sit down? And I said, yeah. She said, then yeah. You, I'll, so, um, so I got seats. You know, I'm not nice. on the pit or anything like that. I just texted, uh, Rob asked me before we started recording if I got tickets yet. And I said, no. And whenever you were talking about your plan, I was like, oh yeah, I got to get a plan. So I just texted Jesse. <laughs> oh, did you? What did he say? He hasn't, te- I mean, I just texted him, but I was just like, hey, what did you do your seating plan? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably podcasting right now. I just always assume he, I think he podcasts more often than any other person I've ever Yeah, met. for sure. So hundred percent. Yeah. So I assume if it's night, he's podcasting. Yeah. Um, anyway, the so... The Cowboys aren't playing. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys aren't playing. He's podcasting. Yeah, um, and it's not date night with Linda. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, on our next episode, we're going to be talking about the song A Fine, Fine Boy. Not just one fine. Not just one fine, two fines. A Fine, Fine Boy... Um, it, which is a, another cover song. So if you're yeah. if you're waiting for the Bruce Springsteen originals, keep keep checking back in. But it's going to be a few more weeks. So, um, but so our next episode is going to be a fine fine boy. And until then, I'm Rob, and that's JB, and we'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm.